Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury. The original. Thursday night football. We don't need no stinking bye week around here. I mean, we're all about talking ball. 52 weeks a year on the Big Red Rage. And plenty to talk about what is, what was, what will be, what should be. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi. Ron Wolfley, soon to be joined by Cardinals insider Darren Urban. And a Cardinals team coming off, whoa, not the way they drew it up. You always want to get the win going into the bye. Not only did they not get the win, and that's the last taste going into the bye week, but the way they ended the game at the very end, as Kyla Murray said after the game, a 25-24 loss against the L.A. Chargers, quote, there was really no excuse for our last three drives. We got the players. There really is no excuse for not finishing that game on our own terms. Kyler yes. Murray. Yeah, you know what, Paulie, honestly, and I think Kyler said it very, very well right there. Um, how disappointing this loss was. This was big time to me, and the reason being is because of how well they had played through three quarters. And I don't mean just offensively or just defensively. I mean in all three phases. That was the best game I think they've played as a team through three quarters. And then suddenly, you had the last four possessions of that game, the last four possessions that happened in that fourth quarter specifically. You ran 11 plays in those four possessions for 16 yards. Polly, I mean, you had, it, you had a lead. It was 24-17, and then all of a sudden you had a three and out. You got the ball again. It was 24-17, and you had a three and out. Paul, you got it for a third time, 24-17, and had a three and out. The defense, I think, wore down a little bit in that fourth quarter. It's reality. It happens from time to time, and I think that's what happened to them. Um, After playing very, very well for three quarters and only giving up 17 points, It took all of the fourth quarter before they finally gave up more points to the Chargers. To me, that's why this game was so disappointing, how well they played for three quarters and beyond. They ran for 181 yards. The Cardinals have been almost unbeatable in that sort of scenario under Cliff Kingsbury. When they've had that sort of balance on offense, the Cardinals have been a juggernaut. That's what made this so confounding in so many ways and you you had a Justin Herbert who started three of eight but he ended up 35 of 47 for 274 three touchdowns 
no interceptions. Remember, Cardinals lost the turnover battle, negative two in this game. They had two takeaways overturned, but uh, eventually, ultimately, Justin Herbert at his 10th fourth quarter comeback in three seasons as Chargers quarterback, and the Cardinals quarterback, Kyla Murray, had this to say. I mean, we practiced that stuff. I mean, I mean there's, there's really no excuse for um, our last three drives, no excuse. You know, I think we got, you know, we, we got the players. There's, there's no excuse for, you know, um, not finishing that game on our terms, not having to put the defense back out there. They did their job. You know, they did their job. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't get a first down. We don't run the clock. That's tough. You put them back, you know, put them back on the field like that. And at the very end, well, you saw it. The two game-winning plays. You saw the one-yard touchdown pass to Austin Eckler with 15 seconds to go, followed by the two-point conversion to the tight end Gerald Everett. And as Brandon Staley said after the game, the Chargers head coach about that final two-point conversion to win it, quote, smooth like chocolate milk. So <laughs> there's that as well. There's that. There's Look, the week before in Mexico City, we were there. The Cardinals lost that game because the Niners won that game. Yes. But this game against the Chargers, 25-24, the Cardinals lost that game. If you watched it, they were so dominant for so long, for such stretches of that game. I think that's why, honestly, that was probably the most downbeat locker room of the season. Yeah, being in there, it's I because believe that. Guys knew, man, that was there for the taking. Paulie, I believe that, man, because it was. It was so disappointing to me as an analyst to watch it and a former player to see them actually lose that game when they played so well. I already said that, but I'll use Isaiah Simmons as a microcosm. He was the microcosm of this game. Isaiah Simmons had eight tackles, eight solo tackles in this game. Isaiah Simmons had a huge sack for minus 13 yards. Remember how big a play that was, that sack. We th- we said ball game right there. You, you That you late did. sack, you're you thinking, okay. Had that late, sa- late sack, Paulie, and then a pass defense as well. Well, he played incredibly well until the very end of the game. And you could even bring it down to the two-point conversion where that was his man, Everett the tight end, was his man. And yet at the same time, you got to credit the Chargers. They did a great job of using eye candy and Austin Eckler. And and it was exactly what they were hoping for, that you were going to get Isaiah Simmons' eyes off of Everett for a split second, and that's all it took on the two-point conversion touchdown. So even though he played so well overall, the last play, literally, that he was out there, he didn't do it. And that Cardinals defense had four sacks. I mean, it was Isaiah Simmons, it was J.J. Watt, it was Zach Allen, it was Cam Thomas. They made plays. They didn't have any takeaways, but they definitely made plays. That Cardinals offensive line, the eighth different starting O-line combination, four backups, and the stalwart, Kelvin Beecham, the one constant, your starting right tackle, who joined us after the game. And you can hear the resignation in his voice. At the end of the day, it's, a, it's all about the turnover battle. And we had two turnovers, and uh, you're not supposed to win if you have two turnovers. But even in spite of that, as, as you know, stupid as we played today, uh, we set out an opportunity to close the game out, and we didn't do so. Stupid. You, you didn't like the football IQ? Not at all. How so? I mean, there's an opportunity, again, to close the game out with drives in the fourth quarter. Uh, and offenses that are of, of playoff caliber are able to do so, and we didn't do that today. He, he didn't get into specifics, as you no. might imagine. but. 
Let's go ahead and translate that soundbite right there, that that answer, the Q&A. I mean, is he talking football IQ in terms of just execution? Is he talking about strategy, play calling? Is he talking about, like, for example, DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown getting combined one target in the fourth quarter when, yeah. Trey, when Trey McBride got a couple? I, what do you – could it be all of the above? Yes, I, I think that's what it is, Paul. I think the answer is yes. I also think, too, um, there were a couple of high-profile MEs, mental errors, that I think also happened over the course of those last few possessions right there. Um, I think of the first down run to James Conner that was stuffed by uh, Drew Tranquil. Do you remember Tranquil? He blitzed, a rundown yeah. blitz, actually. They brought him down through the B-gap, and he shot through the B-gap. And I believe that that was a deuce block they had going on right there where they did not pick it up. That is where two offensive linemen are going to work from the the defensive lineman up to the second level where you had Drew Tranquil, and he shot the gap. And um, I think that it was a mental error. Somebody did not come off when they should have come off. And when you hear Calvin Beecham say stupid football, mental errors, I think at the end, could be what he's talking about as well. Yeah, he, he mentioned that the Chargers consistently pressured on second down. That was their strategy. They did adjust, but there was a big sack yes. of Kyler Murray late on second down. Should the Cardinals have known that was coming? Should the ball have been out? Should Mental there, errors. Should have someone have picked up the extra blitzer, the extra Somebody rusher? Somebody should have, Paulie, yeah. whether it was an offensive lineman, a running back, the responsibility to pick it up, or Kyler Murray, the quarterback himself, to know that's hot. If this guy comes, I've got to throw the hot. Yeah. So the Cardinals lose. They've lost four out of five. And after the game, we asked the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, and his message to the team going into the bye. We just talked about we got a bye week coming up. We got to rest, recover, reset, and got five games. We're going to see how good we can be as a team. Yeah, they come out. They have an extra day, actually. The next game is going to be Monday night against the Patriots in week 14. They're off this weekend, and they're going to self scout. Every team does that during the bye week. I mean, are there a couple of things that stand out? Well, do you think when they look at the film, and I know the music's rolling here, and we got Darren Urban next, but is there one or two things that you think really stand out that can be addressed immediately? Yeah, Paulie, I think um, how do you get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown a little bit more, especially in clutch situations? Um, They're going to see a lot of two safeties. Over these last five games, they're going to see a lot of two safeties high. That means you've got to be able to run the ball to bring that safety down. And when you get them to bring that safety down, that's when you've got to exploit the secondary with Hollywood Brown and D-Hop. And the Cardinals definitely made the Chargers pay, especially in that first half with the run game. You saw James Conner get into the second level easily with frequency. All right, what else is on the Cardinals' plate as they prepare for the final five games of the season? Cardinals insider Darren Urban is next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Handoff, James Conner running to the left, got a hole, 25-30, 35-40, dragged down at the 41. Boy, that's as big of a hole as we've seen open up for the Cardinals this year on the run. James Conner, the lone back. Murray hands it to him, off the left side, for a crease at the 50, 45-40, and down to the 37 of the Chargers. So 20 more yards on the ground. Well, Asante Samuel Jr. came off the cornerback, 
and suddenly he realized that he was one-on-one with James Conner on the outside and thought he was going to get his doorbell rung. James Conner went right by him with a nice little juke. What Kelvin Beecham say after the game, get James Conner on a corner, get him out there on a DB, and then look out. And you saw it early against the Chargers. Four of his first five runs, 18 yards, 8 yards, 8 yards, 6 yards. He ends up 25 carries for a buck 20. That is a Cardinals high. His first 100-plus yard rushing game as an Arizona Cardinal had the receiving touchdown as well. And Wolf, you're now officially back to your fullback days, uh, fullback blocking for our Darren Urban, Cardinals insider, who joins us here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. What's up, Derb? How you doing? (laughs) Thanks for having me. So what do you think? Is that a one-game metamorphosis of the offense in a way? Because you had the league-worst Chargers rush defense. When you look at yards per carry given up coming in, they had given up the most yards per carry to date in a season since the 1970 merger. Or do you think with a healthy James Conner and maybe a different run game coordinator and Steve Hyden, will this be more of the DNA over the final month of the season? I think it's – I feel fairly confident in saying the Cardinals are not going to be able to run like that against the Patriots. Let's put it that way. Mm. I mean, even the beginning of that game, I don't know if it was because the Chargers, knowing what they could and couldn't do against the run, they decided to jam the box. But it was almost like all James Conner had to do is get to the outside, and they just didn't bother having anybody out there. It was it was really odd to see early in the game the, the amount of room James Conner had to, to run. I mean, it wasn't – it wasn't hard to get out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was to the second level all yeah. the time, Yeah, easily. One of the things, once again, is going to happen, though, is you're going to see a lot of two safeties playing high. You're going to see a lot of cover two shell that is going to be played against the likes of Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, especially with Kyler back and healthy once again. Even if you had Colt McCoy, I think you'd be seeing an awful lot of that as well. And I think that's going to be something that they're going to get a steady diet of that means you've got to be able to run the ball. If, in fact, you're going to have two safeties high, you have to be able to run the ball in that situation. And that's why it was good to actually see them commit to doing that. And Wolf, how many times have you said with backup offensive linemen? And four of your five offensive linemen are backups at this point, four starters on IR. You know what? They're probably better at run blocking than pass blocking. So, okay, with that in mind, plus the departure of Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, and Steve Hyder and Brian Natkin now in charge on that side, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about the offensive line play. You know, Brian Natkin and Steve Hyden got together and um, had some thoughts, different ideas, and um, I think it was more about the physical play up front. Those guys uh, really took pride this week, and after the previous week, we didn't think we, we played as physical as we needed to, stepped up and um, created some, some nice running lanes. And I thought James finished runs downhill, and so that was positive. But schematically, um, you know, there, there's similarities, and obviously those guys are going to put their own spin on things as well. So maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit of a different scheme or approach to the run game, maybe. But I think most importantly, because Cliff Kingsbury said it with us after the game as well, they just felt like Monday night in Mexico City, they weren't as physical as a 49ers. I think we'd all agree that was the case. So that was most definitely a point of emphasis. And you know what, Darren? That's something you can control in this final month plus of the season. The want to, the effort, the intensity on on the line of scrimmage. I I don't disagree with that. Um, You know, again, you are talking about backup offensive linemen. I think Josh Jones has played pretty well. Um, We saw Max Garcia back in the lineup now that he's finally healthy. 
unfortunately, Cody Ford seems to have been surpassed on the depth chart by Rashad Coward. So I don't know if that trade's worked out exactly how they had hoped um, when Billy Price at center. But you, when you have the backups, you're right. You can control that, but so can the other team. And you're talking about the reserves. And there is a, there is a talent level portion to this equation that especially to me in the run game that becomes harder to scheme and more about the talent to me I, I think notice how Derb looked at me well, I, when he you was know, saying I'm just that. Saying, <laughs> yes, we know Derb. I was a backup. No, yes, no, I so, we all but, get. But, but see, to me, like in the passing game, I feel like there are times when you can you can definitely scheme up situations to not always get over the talent. But it's I, I think it's well, you saw it against the Rams with Colt McCoy. Get rid of it real quick. It. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the running game, it to me, it does come down to the talent. And 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 right now the you know the Cardinals are so banged up and 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 it we we saw what happened with the Chargers, the Patriots. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Denver's got a pretty good defense. Their yeah. offense oh, yeah. is horrible, right? But their defense is really good. Todd Bowles knows what he's doing on defense with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like those are your next three opponents. So. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. And to your point, they are banged up, and it doesn't look like it's going to change because here's the latest: DJ Humphreys on IR, and Cliff Kingsbury asked if he's out for the year. Just wasn't progressing like we thought. Um, we were hopeful for a while that maybe of something he could come back the last few weeks and play, but at this point, that won't be possible. So yes, he is done for the year, Wolf. In fact, Darren, Can I just Bro- say go this ahead quickly, Polly, right here. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I got to jump in. I mean, DJ Humphreys. The one thing about him, if you watch him on tape, he's a dog. You know, this is a guy that goes out and balls out. This is a guy that is a dog. This is a guy that will try to bury you. There's a mentality that DJ Humphreys brings to a football field, and. Um, I know it's hard for us when we see him. He's always smiling. He's always laughing and everything. Even sometimes on the field, he's doing that. But he does have a dog mentality, and I think that's what's going to be missed as much as anything else over the next five games for this team is that dog mentality that D.J. Humphreys brings. And playing left tackle right now, former third-round pick Josh Jones and Cliff Kingsbury was asked about his recent performance. I think he's held his own. He's been waiting for an opportunity. Uh, I know at times he's been frustrated because we have had Beach and and D.J. playing at a high level, but he stepped in and... um, you know, played well. So that's encouraging for us moving forward. And being able to play right, left, uh, be that swing guy, I think is, is a huge bonus for us. Because think about it, Darren. We talked about this the other day. I mean, there are a lot of questions on this roster, especially with this offensive line. Yeah, DJ Humphreys is the only guy mm-hmm. under contract going into next year, well, I think, right? Technically, Rodney Hudson is, but I, mm. I'm feeling fairly confident Rodney Hudson's probably getting to the point where he's going to say, yeah, I thought about retiring this year for this very reason i wasn't sure my body could hold up and unfortunately it, it hasn't so um yeah justin Pugh's a free agent uh will hernandez is a free agent max garcia is a free agent kelvin beecham's a free agent cody ford is a free agent rashad coward is a free agent wow wow that's it so well, look, <laughs> what, <I> mean, <laughs> where do you start on that one derp i mean there's a there's a reason why i think they wanted to play lasita smith a little bit to see what he had um, I think Josh Jones has played solid football, and that's a good thing. Now, the question is with Josh Jones, if Kelvin Beecham's not around here, and I think Kelvin Beecham brings to the table a lot more than just what he does on the field, so totally that's something agree. you got to think about. Um, 
do you is Josh Jones? Are you comfortable with him at right tackle? If DJ Humphreys continues to be left, is there any chance you do with DJ Humphreys that you did with Jared Valdir when DJ Humphreys oh. showed up, which was move Humphreys to the right side oh. and have Josh Jones your left tackle? I mean, I think these are some of the things you got to figure out. But in the interior, you you got to just make sure you have bodies. And yeah. right now, they don't have those. Can I just say this quickly as well? Um, Josh Jones to me. <laughs> Seems to have played a lot better on the left side than he has the right. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's that's why I brought it up. Yes, and that was, it is that was his entire career in college. Yeah, left now, side. Let's not forget there are people involved here, and you know how this goes. Jared Valdir was not happy when he had to go from left to right. Yes, DJ right. Humphreys. I'm guessing who desperately wanted to play left wouldn't be all that thrilled to go from left to right. And I'm not even suggesting anybody's right. brought that up. DJ, yeah. I don't know anything, but and he's paid like a left tackle. Well, yes. That's true, but at this point, I think, especially with the way the cap's going to be at least next year, I think you go into it saying, we're paying offensive line X amount of dollars, and wherever they end up, they end up. I mean, yeah, DJ Humphreys is getting paid like a left tackle, but if you put it Josh Jones at left tackle, he's not getting paid like a left tackle, so it's right. all the same. It yeah. all comes out in yes. the wash. Yeah. All right, well, look, uh, this might not be the norm all the way through the rest of this season. There could be potential reinforcements on the O-line after the bye. Here's Cliff Kingsbury. We're hopeful. Um, Will or Rodney, I don't know what it's going to look like, but hopefully one of the two um, at some point in the near future we can get back in there. I'm guessing Will Hernandez is much more likely yes. than uh, Rodney Hudson. But even so, I mean, Will Hernandez was playing really good football from all accounts at that right guard position, right? He was. I, I, I think he was. I think he's earned the, the chance to, to be back again next year if they can get something done. And I think he likes playing here. Um, you know, again, when you start talking about having five games left in the season and counting every week that we go by, then it starts to become what's, what's the realistic, what's the point of bringing somebody back at this point? I think Will Hernandez sooner rather than later, and I, I, I don't know off the top of my head if he's got to miss, I think he's got to miss one more game. Um, yes, I think to, you're to right. Be the, to, so he would get a chance to play for if he came back immediately, yep. which I don't yep. know where he is. He was playing so well, to your point, Paulie, honestly, right now. As a matter of fact, I thought he was the best offensive lineman the Cardinals had at that point in time. He was playing very, very consistently, and we all know how physical he is as well. That that is his forte, and that's exactly what I think the Cardinals need a little bit more of on that line of scrimmage. Well, speaking of, you go into this offseason, and there's no doubt edge rusher, pass rusher is going to be a priority, if not number one overall, but center. And it was interesting to hear Steve Keim in the offseason just talk about the importance of the center position. And it was sort of an epiphany he realized just because we always talk about, okay, quarterback, right? And then you talk about left tackle, cornerback, you know, these are the edge rusher. But center more and more, and he realized just how vital that can be with the when Rodney Hudson showed up and everything he did for Kyler Murray and everything he did for that offense. I wouldn't be surprised if they set aside some big money if there's a free agent out there and or a high draft pick for a center this April. I, I wouldn't be shocked either. I mean, the reports came out uh, post-draft that had they not traded that that pick for Hollywood Brown, they probably would have gone center in the first round. And, uh, and, and it's funny that they ended up with Billy Price because I think after the draft thing happened and when they weren't sure – about uh, Rodney Hudson coming back. I think Billy Price was going to be the free agent they were seriously thinking about signing. So I, I think that's something that's absolutely got to get straightened out at this point because uh, the last couple years with Rodney Hudson being banged up, is I, I, I don't think anybody's been comfortable with that situation. Yeah.
and talking to a few people, things have slowed down a little bit for Billy Price. It was tough. You walk in and you got to be the quarterback of that offensive line, and he was required to make a lot of calls and yeah. recognitions that he wasn't accustomed to doing stuff that Rodney Hudson was doing. They were asking him to do the same thing. And Very interesting you know, on that, Paulie, because when he was with the Raiders, they didn't want him calling anything. Isn't that interesting, yeah. Josh yeah. McDaniels? Yeah. And it was a very different system, the Raiders playbook versus Cliff Kingsbury. So it took him a little while, and he has new interior guards on either side of him, but things have slowed down for him a little bit. Remember, the Patriots are number two in the NFL as a team in sacks behind only the Dallas Cowboys. We continue with this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Third down and six at the LA 34. Chargers showing blitz. They back off. Murray back to pass. Flag down. Pass over the middle. Caught at the 20 and a broken tackle. Hop is loose at the 10, at the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. This will likely stand. It looked like the Chargers were offside. Again, Murray getting rid of it quickly, being decisive, and letting his playmaker do the rest. A 34-yard catch and run for a score by Hop. DeAndre Hopkins over the middle of the field. Great job by Kyler Murray standing tall in the pocket and delivering a strike to DeAndre Hopkins. And as he does so much of the time, he runs after the catch, man. He's slippery. No doubt. It is amazing. Like at Cleveland last year, being field level, remember that catch and about 10-yard touchdown run? And he made like seven guys miss. Paul, it's so weird because nobody talks about D-Hop being one of the best yards after catch guys. Nobody really talks about him being that guy. Yet anyone who watches him, he is a dicey proposition to try to tackle. Very unorthodox. I mean, Greg Dortch has sat in this studio. And welcome back into the Big Red Rage, our bi-week edition presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, Cardinals insider, Darren Urban with us. Greg Dortch said, I'll make anybody miss in a phone booth. But that's a totally different way that he gets it done versus a DeAndre Hopkins who's longer and leaner. And he's just, uh, you know, but seemingly after every catch, he does make that first man miss. He does. He's so slippery. Not only that, too, guys, nobody talks about D-Hop being a great deep threat. Nobody's not a run-by guy. He isn't. Yet, all he does is make plays when you give him the opportunity down the field. It's the magic of DeAndre Hopkins. Well, and that's been crucial this year because if you didn't have guys like that, if you didn't have Greg Dortch doing a couple little things, even Hollywood Brown before he got hurt, you wouldn't have any big plays because there is no deep balls this year. So before I ask you, Darren, about the first time this year you have seen Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins out there together, let's hear from the quarterback, Kyla Murray. Felt good to have him back out there. Uh, some things we wish we had back, obviously, but to have him back out there on the same field, it was, it was, you know, that was the first time, actually. So it was good to see them both in action. Unfortunately, it was week 12, but you finally saw him out there. So what do you think Brown does for you and does for D-Hop and does for Kyler and does for this passing offense? And to Wolf's point earlier, what does it do against these two high safety shell looks they keep getting? I mean, for me, the, the, the immediate play that comes to mind was Hopkins' 33-yard touchdown that we heard the play call on coming back from break because – that was a play where Hopkins was actually lined up next to Hollywood Brown, but Hopkins was on the inside, and they ran a play where Hopkins kind of took the slot and went across, and and I, I was impressed with how they executed it. And, you know, I talked to DeAndre last week about it, and he was I, I said, look, I, everybody talks about Hollywood being back, 
And does that really mean anything for you? Or is it still going to be the defense going to be watching DeAndre Hopkins and then we'll see how they deal with Hollywood? And, and Hop truly believed that it was going to make for harder choices uh, for the opposition. And they weren't just going to completely focus on him. And, and I thought we saw a little bit of that. I mean, y- you still want to see, again, bigger plays down the field, especially mm-hmm. with Hollywood. They took a couple shots. Yep. Weren't real close, unfortunately. And that's a whole other topic of conversation. Um, but I-, I think having both those guys out there makes a huge difference. And I go back. This was before I was on the air with you, but I heard you talking about the lack of targets on those last few possessions that that's really strange to me uh, because it, you know you would think with two guys out there you'd be able to find a way to get it to one and, and try and crank out a couple of those first downs you'd so desperately needed the one target in the fourth quarter between Hop and Hollywood Brown was the near interception the one-handed stab oh my goodness by Hop that saved one of the greatest ten- catches I've yeah. seen ever yeah. and yet it how long what was that a six yard completion four Four yard yard. completion right there just an incredible play by an incredible player and by the way hollywood brown uh, we thought he was good thought he was going to be on a pitch count uh no he played 64 out of 66 snaps that's 97 percent of the snaps and here's cliff kingsbury on that he felt good i mean i I thought uh we wanted to see him out there running and he felt good and didn't want to come out and i thought he played fast and played at a high level had some some opportunities that we weren't able to get him the ball a couple times that i thought he was he was running really well um but we'll continue to to fit him back in and and get him going and of course they needed it more than ever because they're without rondale moore and greg dorch didn't play you know we get it there's no zach Ertz, but well, what do you think? What is the upside? What is the potential for this combination at receiver? Two legitimate wide receiver ones in this lineup. No, Paulie, I think it has a huge impact. It's one of the reasons why the Arizona Cardinals once again see so much of the cover two. The two safeties high for the most part in rundown situation, first and ten, second and one to six. If, in fact, that's what you get, you have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able to run the ball against those looks if, in fact, that's what you're getting. And the Cardinals get it so much of the time right now. Um, It's one of the reasons why, as well, you've got to have a rhythm and timing quarterback being able to get the ball out quickly. That's something we saw with Colt McCoy as well. Something where you've got to have route combinations going against a cover two look where you're going to have two deep, five underneath, and you're going to get a lot of four-man rushes. That is what they've got to work on more than anything else. I think their quick game, their quick passing game, and still be able to take shots down the field. I was so disappointed. Kyler Murray two times had the opportunity to hit Hollywood Brown, and there was one time where Hollywood Brown looked like he had a couple of steps on, on the defender. And both times, Kyler threw the ball out of bounds. This is one of the reasons why I continue to say they got to get Kyler Murray right once again. Kyler's got to get right. And it's not just Kyler who's got to do it. It's the entire offense around him. This is what I think is in front of them right now with five games to go. they got to get Kyler right, in my opinion. And especially when it comes to those deep shots. Because during his first three years, he was yes. among the league leaders, if not number one, in deep ball accuracy, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the 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 that missing piece is just that's that's what's glaring this deep in the season. Quite frankly, is the inability to to have a ball go over the top. We saw so many of them, uh, and most of them were to Christian Kirk in the past. So yeah. I, I don't know if that 
plays any kind of factor into this. Uh, obviously, we've talked about the offensive line issues, so you, you would need a certain amount of protection to be able to throw it that far down the field. But even when he's had the, the moments, it's, it's either come up short for one reason or another, uh, or it's it, like in the other game or this past game, it went out of bounds and, and, and not like close out of bounds. Like, Oh, it's, he's just tied up in sidelines. Like the one I'm thinking of had, there was no chance. And you, you wonder where that is because quite frankly, he's been so yes. good at that. Yep. Uh, yeah. But even, even the fourth down play, the one that completely melted down, I felt like if he gets the ball a little further downfield, hop makes that play over Derwin James yep. and he just left it a little short. Yeah. Well, look, here's Cliff Kingsbury. Um, he knows what he has in those two receivers. There's a reason they made the trade for Hollywood Brown and added him to DeAndre Hopkins. You can see that you know it can cause uh, some problems for the defense. And, and then Zach Ertz, you know, he's, he's a big part of work in the middle. He's a guy who is, is kind of the fail-safe for this offense. Um, that, that's one that... With those two guys and the speed they play with around him, I think you know could have been a real weapon. But watching Hollywood run and take the top off things, and then DeAndre doing some of the underneath stuff, uh, it can be a good a good weapon for us moving forward. There's no doubt. And there's no doubt if you had Zach Ertz working the seams along with those two wide receivers, Wolf, all oh, the potential. I know in the pregame show, Drew Stan was talking about look just the fact of where they're going to line them up, and when you put D Hop and Hollywood Brown to the same side, now what does the defense do? You certainly can't bracket both of them. You can't double team both of them now. You have four DBs to one side of the field. Uh, guess what? That's a, you know that that's definitely a, a liability there. So there's it's interesting. I was watching throughout the game, and I don't have the exact specifics, but it was interesting how they were being used. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is inside a lot more than he had been last year. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And they're moving him around, and I think that's what they've got to continue to do to expand and evolve this offense is to definitely move them around, but. Once again, um, can I just continue to say what the Arizona Cardinals, to me, need more than anything else is a true stud tight end. That's what they need, a true wide tight end where they can get into 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. And two of those wide receivers are Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore would be another guy that would be perfect to add to that. But now, all of a sudden, if you had that true stud tight end, you could, in rundown situation, you could run the ball just as effectively as you could throw the ball. Okay. And that messes defenses up. But in when we're sitting here talking, the elephant in the room, is Trey McBride have that chance to be that guy? You he spent does a, have a chance to be that guy. He's a second-round pick. I know. He does have a chance to be that guy. Will he? That's the question. Hmm. Well, and it was a question put to Cliff Kingsbury this week, the progress of the top tight end taken in the draft. He's just growing into it right now. I mean, we, we see some real flashes at practice where, um, you know, you know he's going to be a very good player in this league. And then uh, sometimes in the games it seems a little sped up for him, but that that's all rookies, you know. And, and the more reps he gets with Zach being out, I think it's going to continue to help him. And uh, you'll start to see some of those flashes as the season winds down. There are a couple of things that are confounding and perplexing about Trey McBride so far. I think it was week two we had Max Williams in here on this big red rage in this studio. Mm. Unprompted, he went into a long explanation how he thought Trey McBride was going to be special. Sure. How he has everything sure. you need to be that two-way tight end. Sure. And then in, in practices and in training camp, he catches the ball easily. He has really nice hands in yeah, practice. Right. I know. But, you know, he doesn't fight the football. He looks like a natural pass catcher. But we haven't seen that obviously translate to game days. No, we haven't. And, you know, I'm sorry, Paulie, but 
right now the the jury's still out on oh, Trey no McBride. Doubt. No and doubt. We all know that. Yet at the same time, you bring up Max Williams. Never, th- never forget what this offense looked like through the first five weeks of the season last year. <laughs> September and October of 2021, it was humming. And the reason why it was humming was because of what I just said. They could throw the ball or they could line up and run the ball with a true stud tight end, Max Williams, run the ball against six-man boxes all day long and hold up, especially at the point of attack. They could do it. That was a huge advantage to this offense, and they got to get back to that at some point in time. But that requires that you find a true stud tight end. And I'm not saying Max Williams can't be that guy, but we all know wow. that he's fighting it. And I has was, was going to say, when Cliff Kingsbury talked about his injury, I mean, Max Williams' nerve ending is not walking through that door and, <laughs> yeah. and, and fixing that leg that, right. that Cliff talked about earlier this week. And, and I just, I, Max isn't at least this season and maybe who knows ever he's not going to be that guy but i bring it up as an example yeah i get that i get that and to your point wolf there's a reason they went after trey mcbride in round two of the draft correct because i think they understood the importance of that two-way tight end and what max williams did do to your point for that cardinals offense the beginning of last year i agree the jury's still out on trey mcbride but the the reality is, is if you're drafting a guy in that spot the the he he better be that guy and and I'm you know at this point it is what it is I think they're you'll you'll use Zach Ertz, but we'll talk about in the off season the jump from year one to year two. Hopefully he can have a Zayvon Collins type kind of jump. Yep. And they're going to need him because I agree they need that piece. Um, but that's why you draft him. And and if you're sitting here and saying they don't have that guy right now, he's he's going to have to figure it out. And to me. And I'm writing a piece for the azcardinals.com later in the week about different things that they can be looking at uh, down the stretch here because the playoffs, let's face it, aren't going to happen. And one of them is the development of these rookies, of the MyJ Sanders and the Cameron Thomases, maybe even Keonta Ingram and definitely Trey McBride. No, that is a great point right there. Honestly, five games. Trey McBride's got to see the field. You put him out there and you let him see it. Well, he's been out there. Yes. (laughs) Since Ertz got hurt, he's the the guy. The play after the one-handed stab by DeAndre Hopkins, he had the incompletion. Whether you want to call it a drop or not. It was knocked away, Paul. He was disappointed. He was dejected on that that bench. I'll be honest with you, I'll draw a parallel. I don't know this. This is just my observation to an Andy Isabella early in his career. Confidence. Is it there right now for Trey McBride? There's that story of what uh, Coach McDaniel did for Tua in Miami. Yeah. Put together that whole reel, highlight reel. Restored his confidence. And so maybe somehow, some way, they can do that with a Trey McBride. At some point in time, it uh, it always has to come yeah. back to the individual doing it. Episode 51 of the Dave Pash Podcast featuring RG3, Robert Griffin III. Thanks to Darren Urban, Cardinals Insider. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. First and goal on the two. Floyd to the right, two receivers to the left, including Fitz. Snap to Palmer, going to throw. Lobs it left side of the end zone for Fitz. He's on the ground, and he still caught it. The century mark for Larry Fitzgerald. Career touchdown number 100, and the Cardinals tie the game at 20. Deadly and single-minded of purpose. Larry touches the ball as he's going down, and somehow pinned it to his helmet what a catch by larry 
In fact, when D-Hop made that one-handed stab to prevent the interception late third quarter, the first thing I thought of was, you know, that's Larry-esque. That's, that's Fitzgerald-worthy. Larry Legend, how many unbelievable catches did we see over his Hall of Fame career? Great call there by Pash Wolf on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network as we wrap up this bi-week edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Ron Wolfley, do you appreciate enough, when we hit Zoom out during a bye week, some of the caliber of play you've seen by Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and company over the years? Yes, Paulie, I do. There's no doubt. Don't forget Roy Jetstream yes. Green, somebody yep. that I actually oh. played with, Paulie, and Anquan Bolden right. as well. Man, have the Arizona Cardinals had some wide receivers. No doubt about that. So Cardinals getting ready for a New England team, so that was sort of uh, ironic there, the 100th career touchdown against a Patriots. Team And guess what? They still have the same head coach. And we all remember 2020, at least I do, because of a very long COVID trip to an empty Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. And Cam Newton stuck up. I mean, just was terrible. Stunk up the joint, had a passer rating in the 20s, and somehow Bill Belichick pulled a win out against the Cardinals in that game. Cam Newton. I mean, you just, look, they're not going to give you anything. They're going to be buttoned up. They're not going to beat themselves. Right. You tell me. You played for the man. What are you expecting in New England when they come to town on Monday night, week 14? Well, just like you said right there, Polly, they don't beat themselves. That's a hallmark of Bill Belichick and what he coaches, what he teaches, of course, what he believes, and every team for the most part, all the way back to the Cleveland Browns even. When he was with the Cleveland Browns, we didn't beat ourselves. We just weren't good enough at that point in time. They had players like me. I mean, <laughs> they just it. weren't good enough. Paulie, and you know, um, that is a hallmark of Bill Belichick. And the Arizona Cardinals are going to have to be buttoned up if they don't want to get run in this game. And um, yet at the same time, I just have this feeling I really do with five games left coming off of the bye. I have this feeling that getting Kyler Murray right has got to be the goal overall. Forget about wins and losses. At this point, when you got a 1% chance to get into the postseason, forget about that. Yeah, it'd be nice if you, you, you won a couple of games in a row, whatever it may be. But to me, it's all about getting Kyler Murray and this offense playing at the level you thought they were going to be playing coming into this season. Yeah. Buda Baker, All-Pro Safety. His message to the locker room over these final five games rest rejuvenate recover be with your families and but at the end of the day when it's time to work we work at work and we got five more opportunities take the best of those opportunities because you know this this league it stands for not for long and we got five more opportunities to play some good football and uh that's the plan that we're going to do so let me ask you five of the last six games now dbs have been the leading tacklers for the cardinals defense is that a problem if you're vance joseph and Look, I get it. Buda Baker, over the last four years, nobody has more tackles as a defensive back in the NFL than Buda Baker, and it's not yeah. even close. But I just wonder if that's one of those things you're looking at and you're hoping that maybe a Zayvon Collins. Now, Isaiah Simmons did tie for the lead in this game. Sure. Those two guys, to me, should always be at the top of the tackle total. Yeah, I would say Isaiah Simmons as well because he's also playing an awful lot in space from time to time. So. So that's something that I think he's always going to be up there in terms of tackles. Zaven Collins, on the other hand, yeah, I, I, he's getting better, man. This much I know about Zaven Collins. This guy is getting better. I watch him on tape, and even when he doesn't make the play, sometimes he's, he's doing a great job of filling his gap and stuffing the play. So 
Um, yeah, I, I'm encouraged based on what I'm seeing from those two young guys. Well, that's good to hear because obviously they are the future. They are first-round picks. And then you have the likes of a Byron Murphy, whereas yeah, DJ Humphreys with his back injury put on IR and Cliff Kingsbury said he's done for the year. That's not the case with Byron Murphy, at least not yet. Can you see Byron Murphy back? Because guess what? He needs a decision on his future with the Cardinals and his contract set, just like a Zach Allen does. Another draft pick by the Cardinals who's had a really nice season on the defensive side of the ball. There are a lot of questions to be answered and a a roster to be formulated. And you know what? The only real telling trait is what they do on this game film. Yeah. And for that reason, I don't expect this team to cave in. There are too many guys that have too many of their own futures wrapped up in the outcome of these final five games. Yeah, right now, just looking at it, Zach Allen, I'm extending him. Oh, yeah. Byron Murphy, you better believe it. You get him healthy, I'm extending him as well. Yeah, no doubt. And look, your cornerback room, I think, is a lot better than we thought going into this season. I. I to me, that's not the priority this offseason. If you can extend a Byron Murphy, I think you're set there. Use some of those early round draft yes. assets going after the edge rusher. I think of Jalen Thompson yep. and what they did with Jalen Thompson. Yep. I think they're going to do the same thing. Yep. There you go. Well, special thanks, Darren Urban Cardinals insider, Jim Almohundro, Zach Larson. Once again, Cardinals off this week. They come back Monday night football against the New England Patriots. Five games to go. And we'll be here every Thursday night on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Number one, Tyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.